Welcome to Soma, everyone. If you guys don't know me, I'm Marvin Slayton. I am actually Tony's brother-in-law, so everything I said, I can say, okay? And uh, that makes me Melissa's brother. And uh, just a privilege to be here with you, to see all of you beautiful people, smiling faces. Everybody put a big smile on your face. Makes me feel better at what I'm doing up here. Just smile the whole time, all right? Whether it's good, bad, whether you're indifferent or whatever. Um, Another interesting thing about me preaching right now is I preached on the topic that I'm going to be preaching on tonight about four years ago in this same sermon series, The Holy Spirit Reigns. And, you know, it it was actually so bad that that Tony felt sorry for me and uh, was willing to give me another shot. And uh, so for the next 30 minutes, if nothing else, if nothing else, it's 30 minutes of redemption for me, okay? <laughs> I'm joking there. I'm joking there. He asked me. He loved the message. He, he loved it when I spoke it four years ago, and he asked if I would, I would do it again. And I said, you know what? I'll do it again. I'll even uh, uh, try to update it a little bit. So, um, so we're talking about the gift of faith tonight. Tony's been going in order and, uh, with the gifts of the Spirit And so um, tonight's the gift of faith, the third one, I believe. And so a good place to start when you're you're talking about the gift of faith is uh, in defining faith. One great thing about faith is that the Bible itself defines faith in a very clear way in Hebrews 11.1. And it tells us this, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Okay, Hebrews 11.1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Now, when we take that a little deeper, and once again, the topic tonight is faith, and we take it a little deeper and we go into the Greek paestis, um, the, the definition there for faith is a firm conviction. Everybody say firm conviction. Firm conviction or confidence in. A firm conviction or confidence in. The Bible depicts three different kinds of faith, uh, a faith unto salvation, faith as a fruit of the Spirit or faithfulness, and then uh, faith as a gift of the Spirit. And there's some interlapping uh, meaning there, and so they're not completely different. There's some similarity, but there is also some distinct differences, uh, which is what I'm here to talk to you about tonight. So it's uh, faith unto salvation fruit of the Spirit, faithfulness, and then faith as a gift of the Spirit. So in other words, God wants to save you. God wants to change you through your faithfulness and sanctification. And then God wants to use you through the gift of faith. Amen? Can I get a good guardy? Amen? All right, all right. Okay, so the first one we're going to look at tonight is faith for salvation. And this... Um, this comes directly from Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I want to encourage everyone in here, and I've done this before uh, when I've spoke um, different platforms here at SOMA, uh, to memorize Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. If you haven't already, it's one of those key verses uh, to keep close to your heart and, and, and to remember. Uh, and so um, please do that, uh, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. But it says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This not of your own doing, but a free gift of God, not as a result of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're a believer in this room, that means at some point in your life, the goodness of God drew you to repentance, or that's at least what Romans 2, 4 tells us. And you chose through the grace of God to give your life to him. Now the teaching point here, and we're not hanging out in faith for salvation long, but the teaching point is, This is the starting point, okay? 
This faith is the starting point. It's the genesis, if you will. It's the starting line of faith working in your life. You're not meant to hang out here, but you're always called to remember this faith. Hebrews 6.1 says this, uh, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. And then Revelations 12.11 tells us, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So this is what we'll say. Faith unto salvation, there's three parts to it. It is always, number one, to be remembered. Your faith unto salvation, it is always to be remembered. Second, it is always to be celebrated. When I was in Bible college, um, I had a professor, Terry Mentor, and he told me, and um, I didn't really understand it all at the time, but he said, Marvin, your first prayer was your very best prayer. And what he meant was your first prayer, when you asked the Lord to come into your life to save you, when you opened up your heart, you closed your eyes and you said, Lord God, I need you, God. I want you, God. Would you forgive me of all of my sins? Would you cleanse me of all of my wrong, Lord? I love you. I commit my life to you. I give my heart to you. I'm gonna live the rest of my days following you, God. Fill me up, Holy Spirit. I am yours. I am yours. That was probably something like your first prayer. Maybe that was a little more dramatic than your first prayer. But what he was saying is that that first prayer was always your best prayer. And what I'm telling you tonight is we're always called to remember it and we're always called to celebrate it. And lastly, we're called to always use it to kick the devil in the pants. Say, kick the devil in the pants. Kick the devil in the pants. That's what Revelations 12, 11 is telling us actually. Through the blood of Jesus, through his death on the cross, through his burial, through his resurrection, through his ascension, through his intercession for you right now in your life and through the word of our testimony, through our salvation, this is what we're talking about, our faith. Those are the two things combined together that can give us daily victory. Amen? Daily victory. That's what he has for us. So this is the faith we're talking about unto salvation, a faith that's to be remembered, a faith that's to be celebrated, and a faith that's to be used in daily victory in no matter what you're going through in your life. That's faith for salvation. Number two is faith as a fruit of the Spirit or faithfulness. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Let me give you guys a, a couple of good definitions of faithfulness that um, really deepen that word in our spirits. Faithfulness, a steadfast in affection or allegiance. Firm in adherence to promises or in observance of duty, having or showing true and constant support and loyalty. I have it up there on the screen. You guys write that down. This is, you know, faithfulness maybe uh, can be a bit uh, ambiguous to us, or maybe we don't know how to uh, verbalize it. What does faithfulness mean? What is faithfulness in our marriage, to our kids, in our job, here at, here at Soma Church? This is the defining you want to go back to. This encapsulated encapsulates its steadfastness in affection or allegiance, having or showing true and constant support and loyalty. Mother Teresa said this about faithfulness. 
She said, be faithful in small things because it is in them that your strength lies. Be faithful in small things because it is in them that your strength lies. A good friend and mentor of mine always told me, Marvin, make the small things big. Marvin, make the small things big in your life. And when he started telling me that, I was around 20 years old and I was thinking, you know, that sounds pretty cool and you say it so well, but I'm not sure really how, what that means in my life yet. You guys know what I'm saying? Make the small things big in your life. And then I realized as time went on and years went by, you know, most of life is, can be mundane. It can be, it's a very day-to-day life. You guys know what I'm saying? And what he, what he was talking about there, what he was imparting into me is in the day-to-day, in the day-to-day, in the mundane of your life, in the mundane of your life, make the small things big. In other words, be a good steward in the small things. Be diligent in the small things. Be on time when you think no one is looking or it's not important to be on time. Talk to a coworker when you think it's insignificant. Go that little extra distance and, and, uh, and love for your wife and for your children. This is, what, this is what he was saying, and I think about this over and over again now. Make the small things big. In those small little areas of, of stewarding, of commitment, of loyalty, make them big. And then what happens and what I've seen play out in my life now is that as you make the small things big, when the big things, the big decisions, the big moments come in, up in your life, then you already know how to handle them. And, they, are, and they, they actually kind of just handle themselves because on the day-to-day, you're already handling the small things in the right way. And that's what he was imparting to, in, in to me, make the small things big. The Bible The Bible would say it like this, be faithful in the little and you will be given much. Amen? Be faithful in the little and you will be given much. Make the small things in your life. And if you have to jot them down, make a list, whatever it is to to know what that is, make them big in your life. And I promise you, as big things come up, man, they just take care of themselves because you're already disciplined in that way. It's great advice. Very grateful for it. And the third, and this is where we're going to hang out mainly tonight, is faith as a gift of the Spirit. Tony, in this Holy Spirit Rain series, the, the text for it has been 1 Corinthians 12. And in verse 9, it says, The word says, and to another, faith by the same Spirit. Okay, so this we're talking about the Holy Spirit giving out gifts of the spirit to his people, to his body, to his followers, his believers. And so when you think about the gift of faith, I tried to uh, put it in a sentence where um, I thought it was biblically correct. And, you know, through looking at commentaries and reading authorities on the Bible and what I felt in my spirit, um, this is really what I came up with. And the gift of faith is the unique ability to trust God against all odds and in any circumstance. You guys can write that down if you're taking notes. The gift of faith is the unique ability to trust God 
against all odds and in any circumstance. The gift of faith when harnessed and used purely has the potential to lead to all kinds of miracles in your life and those around you. Um, one of my heroes of the faith and uh, man I've had the privilege to, to meet once before is a guy by the name of Wayne Myers. He's uh, up in his towards middle 90s now and um, he's a great missionary to, uh, to Mexico and he's lived there, I believe around 60 years now. And uh, he's written several books and is known for the books and, and for his various quotes. And, and tonight, uh, if you write anything down, I want you to write this down. He wrote a book called Living Beyond the Possible. Okay, this is Wayne Myers. He wrote a book called Living Beyond the Possible. It's about 80 to 100 pages. It's a small little five by five book. And I would encourage you to go on Amazon and uh, buy that book because it will change your life. Um, it's one of my favorite books I've ever read. And, and tonight, what I'm going to do in um, bringing clarity to the gift of faith is I'm basically going to break down one of his quotes on faith. And this is a quote from Wayne Myers. Once again, that book is Living Beyond the Possible. He said this, he said, faith is dead to doubts, dumb to discouragement, blind to impossibilities, and knows nothing but success. Faith is dead to doubts, dumb to discouragement, blind to impossibilities, and knows nothing but success. The gift of faith is dead to, doubt, to doubts. If you would, our text for tonight is going to come in Matthew 15, 21 through 28. I'll give you just a second to, to turn there. Scroll there, flip there, however you do it, however you roll. So Matthew 15, 21 through 28. The gift of faith is dead to doubts. All right. You guys with me tonight? You with me? All right. So chapter 15 here, verse 21 in the book of Matthew. We'll pick up reading. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. Verse 24, but he answered and said, and he said this to her, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And ending verse 28, then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire desire. This is a fascinating story, and I want to give you several points from this story to further illustrate uh, the faith that is shown here. And so, number one, uh, the first thing to know about this is that this woman was a Gentile and a Canaanite at that, which was, uh, if you're familiar in, with the Bible and the history of it, uh, this is a longtime adversary and enemy uh, to Israel and the Jewish people. Okay, so that's number one. She was a Gentile and a Canaanite Gentile. 
Number two, Tyre and Sidon were 50 miles away from where he was. It was 50 miles away from where he was. Number three, this is the only recorded story of his time there. It's the only recorded story of his time there showing he went there just for her and her daughter. Number four, at first appeal, she did not get what she wanted. So she dug deeper and persisted. And the Bible actually says she went into a place in verse 25. Then she came and worshiped him. After the first appeal, she didn't get what she wanted. And then she came to a place and worshiped him. Number five, even being, after being rebuffed by Jesus, her faith in him and his power does not waver. Number six, Dave, David Gutzik, a, a scholar who I love and authoritarian on the Bible. And uh, in his commentary, he says this, she did not demand to be seen as a child. She didn't demand to be seen as a child, but only to be blessed as a dog. She did not demand to be seen as a child, but only to be blessed as a dog. Number seven, when Jesus told her, great is your faith, it is not recorded that he told anyone else this in his ministry. Think about it for a second. It's not recorded that he told anyone else this in his ministry. He complimented the great faith of the Roman centurion who asked Jesus to heal his servant in Matthew 8, but he said it to the crowd, not to the centurion directly. This Gentile woman heard it from Jesus directly. It's the only time in the ministry of Jesus that is recorded where he said, great is your faith. Guys, we're talking about the gift of faith here, okay? Am I in the right place? Can I get a good amen? The gift of faith, something that the Holy Spirit has for each and every one of us. Her faith was great, even compared to her other virtues. She was humble, she was patient, she was persevering, she cared for her child, yet Jesus didn't compliment any of these good things, but only her faith. Her faith was great because it was unlikely. No one might have expected a Gentile to trust Jesus so much. Her faith was great because um, she worshiped Jesus even before she had an answer from him. Her faith was great because it had been tested so severely. It's hard to think of a greater test than a demon-possessed child. But her faith was also tried by the seeming indifference or coldness of Jesus. And what I will say here about this passage is, is uh, you can't take this passage for face value. Um, you need to uh, research and look at commentaries and go a little deeper uh, for what is being uh, said here, the dialogue, the scene with Jesus, some of the disciples and this woman. Uh, it's not quite as harsh uh, or as rebuffing as you might think, okay? So I don't have time to get into that all, uh, but you can look at this and walk away and be like, man, I don't even know if I like Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Research a little more, dig a little further, and you'll realize it's not quite as harsh, and, and uh, Jesus, um, Jesus is always up to good, amen? He's always up to good. He knows no other way. He's always up to good. He knows no other way. He knows no other way. He knows no other way. Always up to good. Her faith was great because it was clever. 
She turned Jesus' word inside out and made what had might have uh, been taken as an insult as a door open for faith. Her faith was great because it concerned a need right in front of her and a real need at that. Many people, you guys listen to this, many people have faith for everything except those things that are right in front of them. I'll say it again. Many people have faith for everything except those things that are right in front of them. Her faith was great because it would not give up. Her faith was great because it would not give up. She did not stop until she got what she needed from Jesus. The gift of faith is dead to doubts. It's dead to doubts. The gift of faith is also dumb to discouragement. As you look at this passage in Matthew 15 and you look at this scene here uh, that's, that's, that's written down, you have Jesus' disciples. You have this woman who they went 50 miles for, okay? 50 miles out of the way. They went there just for her, okay? Just for her and her daughter. And then this dialogue, this interaction starts to happen. And I guarantee you this wasn't going the way that she had planned for it to go wasn't going the way she had planned for it to go. And if you look at it, Jesus's response to her, it's like, okay, maybe he wasn't thinking that was gonna be his response, okay? And then you've got, you've got the disciples there who are saying, well, would you just send her away? And the reality, I'll give this to the disciples, the reality is what they were saying is, will you just please, Jesus, go ahead and give her her miracle so we can go on and be about the business of what we're doing. So their hearts, I guess, weren't in the wrong place completely, but just mostly. <laughs> We're disciples too, you know, you know what I'm saying? Get an amen there. The gift of faith is dumb to discouragement. Psalms 34, 17 through 19 tells us, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Billy Graham said this, the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, oh God, would you forgive me? Or oh Lord, would you please help me? That's Billy Graham. Brennan Manning, one of the great authors of our time and the one who penned the ragamuffin gospel said, suffering, failure, loneliness, sorrow, discouragement, and death will be a part of your journey. It will be a part of your journey. But the kingdom of God will conquer all of these horrors no evil can resist grace forever. No evil can resist, resist grace forever. The gift of faith is dead to doubts, dumb to discouragement. 
the gift of faith is also blind. It's blind to impossibilities. Back in uh, 2005, I was on a short-term trip to China, and um, we were, uh, it's about the middle of the trip, and we were taking a bus out from the city out to um, one of the rural villages, and we were going to do some ministry there. And as we were on the bus, I was praying and journaling and just admiring the beautiful scenery of, of China. And as I was journaling and praying, I felt the Lord speak to me two words, and the two words were modern day. Okay, so modern day. And it's like, okay, well, I journaled them down. I have no idea what that means or uh, anything like that. And then, so I, I, I kept journaling and praying. I just asked the Lord, Lord, what is, what is that? What is up with those words, modern day? And he said, he said, Marvin, in the missions world, and especially in the international missions world, um, it is operating in a very ancient and archaic way and state, and it needs to be married to the modern day world of technology and all that that world has to offer. The two worlds need to become one. Okay, so I write down modern day. I write down what I just told you get back from China and, uh, you know, just think about it and pray about it. Still don't really know what it means. Um, then I tell my good friend, uh, Elias Reyes, who is one of the overseeing elders here. And then my best friend, Nick Lesmeister, uh, who is an elder here. And we began to just discuss, well, what, what can that mean? Uh, what are the possibilities there? And so, uh, we talked about it over the next couple of years. We prayed about it. Uh, we gave it to the Lord. And then Elias, uh, who is a great business mind, um, came up with a business model uh, for a nonprofit organization uh, to fulfill those words um, that the Lord um, had given to me. And so in the spring of 2008, 2008 we launched Modern Day Missions, Okay. And so Modern Day Missions is a nonprofit, uh, it provides a nonprofit covering for independent missionaries. Um, if you study the church or look at the church uh, currently, the fastest growing church in the world are non-denominational churches. They're independent churches and uh, independent churches uh, need uh, partnerships because they send out independent missionaries, okay? And, and so there was this need we saw. And so a lot of what we do at Modern Day is financial processing. Uh, we're really the administrative arm uh, for missionaries in that realm. Tax deductions, donor receipts, donor relations, um, and provide a beautiful uh, online profile for missionaries and a great um, software and giving platform that just got better. Actually, at February 22nd, it will get better. We've created our, our own software that um, missionaries will be able to use, and it'll be a beautiful uh, tool in their belt for them. And so uh, we started all of this. We jumped in, and in summer of 2008, we, we launched out. And so here we are seven years later, and, uh, you know, not knowing, launching out uh, uh, what would happen or if there was a need for it, or if it would be utilized, or would just crash and burn like many others, you know? And so, um, 
Anyway, almost eight years into it now, we're partnered with 230 missionaries in almost 50 countries. We process very far north of $5 million for missionaries, and we're partnered with some of the largest uh, nonprofit organizations in the world, and it's just been a wild ride, and so, so uh, blessed by how the Lord is using it. And you know what we say at Modern Day is, Modern Day is a tool in God's belt, because God is into the Great Commission, amen? So he's into advancing his name throughout the whole world, advancing his kingdom um, throughout the whole world. And so he needs tools to be able to do that. And obviously he knows how to make the tools. And uh, he just happened to choose us to, to do this. And so we're just a tool in his belt, uh, trying to be diligent and, uh, uh, you know, steward accordingly. And so... I say all of that for this. We're talking about the gift of faith. We're talking about being blind to impossibilities. And I share that story with you for this reason. And, and I felt this really in my spirit this week as I was preparing. Um, uh, but I want to say this to you. I, I believe that there are those of you in this room who are on the cusp of something new. And, um, and to, you're looking at it now. And it seems rather impossible. And the gift of faith in you is saying, well, my gift of faith isn't dead to doubts right now. It's not, it's not dumb to discouragement right now. It's definitely not blind to impossibilities right now. And so, and so, but I'm here to tell you that I know that the Lord is stirring in many of you in here that there is something that you're supposed to start. Maybe it's a company. Maybe it's an organization that you're supposed to start. I also felt that there are some of you who are supposed to start to deepen yourself in the community um, here at Soma and uh, go deeper into your commitment here um, at the church. Uh, I've also felt that there's, uh, um, there's something um, in, in your uh, work where you're supposed to take the next step and, and go further. And so I, I share that story because we stepped out in modern day in blind faith it was the proverbial leap of faith, and God met us, okay? So he, he equips those he calls, amen? Okay, so uh, Wayne Meyer said here, and, and keep in mind where this is coming from, Wayne Meyer is, is a missionary of 60 plus years on the field in Mexico. The gift of faith is dead to doubts, dumb to discouragement, blind to impossibilities, and knows nothing but Success. 